Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today we're going to rate things. We got some overrated, underrated topics. I think this is going to be the the final one for a while. We had quite a bit, um, so we're going to crank through these ones. Um, Today is a Friday podcast, so a quick shout out to our sponsor, Legion. Uh, Legion supplements, go to legionathletics.com or head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom to see what I am consuming on a daily basis. And truth be told, they only list a few. I'm, I'm taking quite a bit of Legion supplements every single day. Uh, but you can also save 20% by going through that link and uh, using the promo code boom boom. And if you've already used that, keep using it because you're going to continue to earn points um, and you do end up getting a lot of free stuff. Um, I get a little bit of a, a care package every month because they are a podcast sponsor. Um, but man, I used my points and like, I have like months worth of supplements. I mean, that's why I was, gave you a whole bunch. I gave Trav some, I gave my father-in-law some, cause I'm just like putting Legion on trying to, yeah. but, um, I can't recommend them highly enough. Uh, one of the reasons I like them so much that I want to point out today is because they, uh, one of the people on their board of advisors is one of the main people at examine.com. And, uh, the reason that's so important is because examine is literally the number one uh, supplement website, period. They have a research review that they do that is really, really well. Um, actually, our CSO, Brandon Roberts, actually writes articles for them as well. So he is a examine.com writer. Um, but if you ever want to know anything about a supplement, that's the place to go. And I, I mean, anything. Like, there's never been a supplement that I've typed in that I couldn't find on their website. It's actually extremely impressive. Uh, but the point is, is not only is it the largest database of evidence-based supplement information, it's also the group of the, probably the most intelligent supplement people in the world. And the fact that they are uh, contributing to and help advising Legion to create and formulate their supplements mm-hmm. says quite a bit about the integrity uh, and the quality behind Legion as a supplement company. So once again, guys, head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom. Um, and uh, that's it for the announcements. Today, we're going to get into overrated, underrated. For sure. Let's dive right in. All right, cool. We are going to start here with the first one with collagen supplements. Talking about supplements. Yeah, definitely overrated. Um, I don't mind collagen supplements. I think there's a, a use for them at times, but it's it's absolutely over, overrated. It's just, it's one of those things that got marketed. It's kind of like probiotics. Like they were just all of a sudden everything had probiotics in. Now like everything, there's collagen water, there's collagen coffee, there's collagen creamer, there's just collagen powder, there's collagen pre-workout, collagen post-workout, collagen uh, intro workout, all it. of which is, yeah. <laughs> All of which is, a lot. is useless. Um, the truth is, is collagen is actually very insufficient from an amino acid structure to be beneficial for muscle growth. So the fact that they're making muscle growth or post-workout like products is kind of stupid because every like you, you almost have to add everything from whey protein into collagen to make it effective. Mm-hmm. So you're really just adding collagen into whey protein. So it should be like whey plus collagen, which even then would be like, okay, but not worth more money uh, from the consumer. Uh, Collagen can be helpful for uh, skin, ligament, tissue, stuff like that. But truthfully, unless you have, and there's a little bit of research for gut health, but I would say if you really have gut health issues and you want the benefits from collagen, go with like pure bone broth. It's probably going to be better like beef bone broth, Uh, not just chicken stock, but like actual bone broth. Uh, that's going to be better for gut health for sure. Uh, A good way to sneak that in is to cook your rice in it instead of water. Use bone broth. Wow. It's actually really good. Um, and it's an easy way to sneak it in so you're not drinking bone broth. Um, I've drank bone broth out of a cup, like tea, on a daily basis just as like an experiment. I didn't have significant enough problems to see any real difference, and it just doesn't taste that good to me. Yeah. Like, not sipping on it. I mean, it's kind of like drinking uh, like the water after Top Ramen, kind of, oh. which isn't horrible. No. But it's not something I just want to sip out of a cup For sure. every day. Yeah. So putting in your rice is good, but that's better for gut health. And then collagen can be useful for the other stuff, but really you got to be, I think the research on that and even glutamine is this way too for actual repair of tissues. I want to say they actually use like burn victims. So if you've had like a traumatic, traumatic injury, then maybe it's useful. But otherwise, I think the best part about collagen is that it's a, uh, it's a, it's a health or like a lower calorie, um, cream or substitute yeah i put it in my coffee i haven't had any for a while because i just ran out and i never got more shows how much i really care about it but um 
it's a good substitute because it's low calorie and it's basically just purely calories from protein, which is going to source fat and it can replace creamer in a way. But, but if you're a creamer person, it's also not creamer. Like I don't like creamer in my coffee, so I like it. Um, but Shannon will get like different flavors of creamer and like she likes heavy cream. Collagen's not doing that for you. Yeah. yeah. She's tried it. She didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, she didn't hate it, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? Totally. But overrated. Yeah. All right, cool. We'll go to the next one from uh, trainers selling quote unquote guides. Uh, who's this from? Uh Casey and Nicole. You, you said the next one from Trainers Selling Guides. I was like, oh, wait. No, no, no. Their name on Instagram is Trainers Selling Guides. Yeah. Well, they, they got the guides. <laughs> um, uh, that's an interesting one. Overrated or underrated? Trailer, trainers Selling Guides. Um, I, think, I think the keyword there is selling. Yeah. I think uh, I would say... If we're talking about selling guides to clients and potential lead stuff, overrated. If we're talking about selling guides to coaches, say underrated. I think the coaching industry could use more quick, easy guides, manuals, ebooks, stuff like that, where a coach is going to pay for an ebook or a guide from another coach, right? So me, me buying a guide from a more experienced coach to learn their methods, I think that's underrated. Yeah. I wish more people would do that. Um, but at the same token... You know, people listening might be like, well, then why the fuck don't you do it? Well, because it would change my marketing and messaging. I don't, I don't share. We don't yet. I mean, I try to share as much as I can on here, but at the same time, our business model isn't to help other coaches do their job. Our business model is to help clients get results. So me spending time doing that is kind of a waste of time. It's, it's not directed properly. So it makes sense why more coaches don't do it. Um, but I think coaches like in my position me selling guides is I think it's overrated that's hence why we deleted every single guide that we sold on our website kept a handful but tweaked them made them more applicable and actually made them free so we updated them with newer research and then made them free um, as a way for people to get help right I think at the end of the day guides are I think guides can be good to teach you some education give you some information get you enticed to do something but most individuals simply need a coach you know I think there's times and places where you can buy training programs. So for example, if I sold the training program, um, which I have in the past and it was less of a guide and more of just like, here's a 12 week program, Mm -hmm. just follow this and do this. And a person who is an intermediate to advanced lifter who doesn't want to spend the time, um, writing their own program, but also doesn't need a coach to guide them through because they've done this long enough. It's a lifestyle. I don't see anything wrong with them buying a, a training program and running it. I've done that excuse me, in the past myself where I just buy another trainer's program, just run it. I don't need them to hold my hand. Um, but most people, I think that's, that's a niche though. You know, people who have great form, great execution can make substitutions on their own. They don't need accountability. They don't need adjustments along the way. They don't need nutrition help. I think anybody who falls into any of those categories, which is 90% of people, they need coaching, not a guide. Yeah. I think guide is what entices you to learn more about coaching. Totally. So, Love it. Overrated. All right, next one is going to be ashwagandha. Underrated. I think it's underrated. Um, I actually heard, uh, speaking of, because we were just talking about him, uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman talking about this, which is not, there's no research to prove this, but uh, the idea of cycling it was an interesting topic of his. Um, And so, like, I'll discuss that briefly because I agree with it. And I've never thought about that and something I'm going to implement. But I think ashwagandha is underrated. Not that many people know about it or use it because it's it's a really cheap, natural adaptogen that it's not that crazy. Sometimes it's found in other supplements, but usually in such low doses that it doesn't do much. But uh, it's been found in research to drop cortisol levels, improve stress levels, uh, relieve uh, anxiety and depression. Like, it's a great supplement. I mean, it's sounds like a wonder drug. Sounds like marijuana honestly like it's lowering all these stress levels but i think marijuana can have the opposite effect if over if taken too far um there's also not enough research on that but um like cbd for example cbd is a good good one to to uh use as an analogy because cbd is like claimed to help so much um and the only people i've really seen it significantly make a difference with where we can rule out biases or placebo uh or not even humans or dogs I've known a lot of people who have given their dogs CBD who have uh, arthritis and mm-hmm. pains. And you, you can seriously notice a difference in their pep and their step, you know. Yeah. Um, 
and there's no placebo there. They don't know what you're doing. They don't know what you're putting in their food. So you, they can't say like, oh, I, th- you know, I thought I was taking this. I felt better. Um, but there's not that much research on CBD. And even the research, the limited research we have, it just isn't that amazing. It's not compelling enough. Um, I personally believe I talked to somebody. I think the reason for that is because it's missing some of the cannabinoids. This is why when you smoke weed or eat pure brownie or whatever, you're getting all of the cannabinoids, THC, CBD, and then there's a whole bunch of other ones. I think there's like 26 of them or something. And I think they work in conjunction to give you the most Mm -hmm. bang for your buck, which is kind of like amino acids. Essentially amino acids, the whole spectrum is going to be better than BCAs, which is just three, you know? So I think it's some, some of that, but this is a good analogy for that because ashwagandha actually does have a lot of research and it does lower those things. Mm -hmm. I use it every single night. Um, and I tell people who have high stress levels, who have normal anxiety, uh, like 250 milligrams in the middle of the day and then 250 milligrams in the evening before bed will kind of keep your stress levels tame throughout the day. But Andrew Huberman had a good uh, suggestion of cycling it because if you use it too often, you can downregulate cortisol permanently, which I think if somebody has, uh, there's a disease that you're uh, constantly elevated. I can't remember what it's called, but there's also people who just, they don't have the actual diagnosis of that disease, but they have chronically elevated cortisol levels. They might be better off taking it pretty much constantly. But for most people, we don't want to eliminate our body's natural response cortisol or downregulate too much because cortisol is what's wake, what wakes us up in the morning. It's what um, helps us with fuel utilization at times. It's what helps us perform harder in the gym. It is a stress response. It actually helps focus and productivity and clarity. Talking, so about, it, talking about Cushing? Cushing, yeah. Yep. Cushing syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Um, that's where you're just constantly elevated. Yeah. Um, in that case, it might be good because you actually have an extreme level of cortisol constantly. Uh, but you don't want to eliminate it completely. This is also why I don't take it during the day because – I generally don't get too worked up about things now. I've learned to kind of tame that, I think. But I also want to kind of be on high alert all day because that's how I stay more productive. Mm-hmm. I train hard, and then when I go home post-workout, eat my meal, I take ashwagandha in the evenings, and it helps bring cortisol levels down while I'm trying to eat, digest, chill with the family, not be all riled up, you know. Um, but, yeah, um, I would say underrated, though, because yeah. I don't think enough people use it. Totally. All right, next one comes... Foam rolling. Can't pronounce their name either. Well, I can't, but I'm I'm not. I haven't done it the whole time. Oh, so okay. Not, I keep saying from, but it's been like a week or so. Yeah. So I can't remember if we did or not. So the next one is foam rolling. Okay. There you go. Um, foam rolling. Overrated. I'm gonna say overrated. Um, I think it. I think it should be used in its proper uh, modality or or perp- with its proper modality or purpose, but. I think it's it's not the saving grace people think it is. You know, there's a lot of people who like really hyped up foam rolling. It was almost like if you don't foam roll before you work out, the workout's pointless. Kind of, Whoa. yeah. I mean, like it was it was like a big deal. You know, I think at a gym, it's kind of nice because uh, there was like the foam rolling corner. Yeah. You know, and I actually like that for a different reason. One. People got there a little early and you could see like, okay, this client's here. I better start preparing the equipment. And then the other thing is, is they would go in the foam rolling section and there would be other people in the foam rolling section who are also at the gym. who Maybe they haven't talked before and it's just people connecting and networking and, and being social. And I think that's a positive element. But I mean, you see me when I go out there at foam roll, I lay on it mid back, hug myself and I roll over it and it just pops my back. It's like adjusting my T-spine and then I get off it. Yeah. Every once in a while I foam roll my hip flexors, but I don't think there's too much purpose of it. Now, what I will say is if you are tight or lacking flexibility, it is has been shown to increase range of motion temporarily. Um, and I talk about this in the program design part one series. I do discuss foam rolling a little bit in that assessment uh, uh, episode, uh, part one of that, but it, it's temporary. So like you're not going to gain range of motion permanently or have more flexibility by just foam rolling. Foam rolling will... T- improve your range of motion for the session you are about to do. Um, which, you know, if you do the strength training through full ranges of motion and you're going through loaded stretches, apparently like, you know, you will essentially increase range of motion. So when I do like a RDL, I'm basically doing a hamstring stretch with load that has been shown to be just as effective as stretching. So I don't static stretch much because I basically do it by just controlling my tempo and doing a full range of motion foam rolling a little bit can improve that during the session i don't do it very much at all but it can be beneficial for that so if you have the time that's great but it used to be this thing where it was like there was like central nervous system benefits you were like alleviating muscle tension you were improving range of motion permanently like you were removing scar tissue from the muscle all of which is very debatable um i'd rather go do art like i went to the 
chiro physio today and like having her dig her little thumb in my fucking armpit while Heather. I do. Yeah. Ugh, brutal. Um, that's where it's like, to me, I get more out of that because it's a little bit deeper. I'm never going that deep on a foam roller because I don't want to put myself yeah. through pain. Yeah. You know? Um, and in my serratus interior, which is little, you have to go in my armpit to get there. I can't foam roll that. Yeah. And then she's bending my arm over my head. And then, dude, she had me like my leg like reaching that way, me reaching this way with her thumb in my back in this weird spot. I was sweating. But that shit, to That's me- cool. It works way better, yeah. you know, because we're doing active range of motion. We're doing mobility, too. So she's taking me through ranges of motion while applying pressure in certain places. I would much rather – I would tell people, if you can go to a physio or a chiro who knows good ART like that every other week. What's a physio? A uh, physiotherapist. Very similar to a chiro. But they do – typically, it's almost – it's like Drew. Like, he's not a physical therapist, but he kind of is. I mean – he could be, oh, but he's technically a, a chiropractor. Yeah, okay. So he, uh, it's just another word for it all. I like calling it that because like when I go there, they don't just crack my neck and back and tell me to leave. They adjust me where I need to, but then she's working on my ankles. She's working on my hips. She's working on my hamstrings, my hip flexors, my psoas, my lats. Like it's, it's muscular too. Yeah. Um, and movement, not just adjustments. Um, but even my jaw, like she's adjusting my jaw all the time, dude. What? Dude, it hurts so bad. Um, when What's I wrong with your jaw, dude, I, I got it broke when I got jumped. They they oh, broke the tracking oh, my TMJ, yeah. so where my jaw lines up, and uh, which is odd that it still gets out of place because I don't clench my teeth much. Um, maybe it's from talking so fucking much, but basically it gets a little bit out of place, and then she puts her thumbs in my fucking cheekbones, <laughs> and then like, dude, it's oh, okay. it's painful. Wow. Um, very interesting. But but it's way more than just foam rolling, you know, yeah. just adjusting me. But that uh. And man, if you like for everybody listening, I know that sounds ridiculous having to go somewhere like that every other week. I go every two weeks. I've been doing it for the last couple of months. I feel so much fucking better. Yeah. And my co pays 20 bucks. Yeah. So if you have health insurance, I think it's worth 40 bucks a month to spend 30 minutes every other week doing all of that. And my, I haven't had any shoulder. I was having shoulder and wrist issues when I bench and all that. Bench 275 yesterday. Easy. No pain whatsoever today. Yeah. As long as you go the right one. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's why I said physio, not just a chiro. Yeah. A chiropractor who knows how to do a little bit more. Yep. And typically, I think chiropractic is a little bit more friendly on your co-pays and insurance than a physical therapist, mm. and you don't have to have a doctor's note gotcha. to go there. So look for your local places. Cool. All right. Uh, next one is going to be a specific – I don't know how to, how to phrase this – a specific time of workout. So – I think working out at a specific time, is that overrated or underrated? Um, first, I will say I don't even think it's rated because I don't, I don't hear anybody saying – I don't hear this being talked about very often, honestly. Maybe I'm oblivious to it. But I would say underrated if, if I had to choose one because I think there's actually quite a bit of research to show that there's a lot of benefits to keeping your training time the same. There's actually a lot of research to show keeping your eating times – the same as well. Part of the reason why intermittent fasting, time-restricted feeding, circadian um, eating, so uh, uh, chrononutrition, which is eating according to your biological, bio-circadian patterns, I think they say. I got to read it off a script to actually know what they call it. But um, there's actually a lot of benefits to doing all those because your body gets accustomed to times. Your body gets accustomed to when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you eat foods, when you train, when you work, all that stuff. Your hormones, your uh, from stress hormones to hormones that help produce metabolic processes and energy to hormones that help you fall asleep and sleep through the night. Those things get regulated based on what you do. So I think it's underrated. I would recommend anybody try to almost get like methodical about, and I know it sounds pretty OCD, but getting methodical about everything you do from a time perspective is actually really beneficial. Mm. I think you'll be more productive with work. I think that you'll learn how to have better focus for learning because you can actually, there's even studies to show you can develop a best time for learning. Part of it is, is everybody has that time and it's finding out what time is best, but also getting used to it as a pattern and creating a ritual around that time can improve your learning as you keep it that time. Um, and the same applies to training. Um, there's also research that shows between 3 to 5 p.m. is the best time to train. And it's been repeated multiple times. And the reason for that, I would expect is because, and this is what they kind of, uh, hypothesis or hypothesize as the reasons for it is um, by 3 to 5 p.m. you're you've been moving most of the day you know I think it depends well we sit down right for a lot 
But depends on the person. But imagine it depends if, on their schedule. Right, but here's the problem with that. Okay. If you if you train at five in the morning, you definitely haven't been moving much because you've been sleeping, unless you're a shift worker. That's what I'm saying. Right. If you're a shift worker, I hate to say it, but almost no matter what, you're kind of shit in the bucket because your sleep's going to be dysregulated no matter what. So if you train right when you wake up and you wake up at 5 p.m., it's not the most optimal time because you haven't been moving, you haven't had any food. It's also a weird time to be waking up so your cortisol curves out of whack. And then if you train at 5 a.m. and when you're about to go to sleep because you're a shift worker, now you just turn cortisol and adrenaline on and it's going to be harder to sleep, which is already a bad pattern. So you kind of get screwed on both ends of it. I don't think there's a better side of it. Probably first thing in the morning, if yeah. morning is 5 p.m. for you. But um, in general, when they do these studies, 3 to 5 p.m. tends to be the best because even if you have a sedentary job, you've been awake and you have been moving more than you would have been if you were sleeping. Um, you've also had multiple meals. Typically, most people have at least one, if not two to three meals before they train at 3 to 5 p.m. Um, so you have more fuel, more water, more hydration. Your joints are more active. Um, when you sleep, you also compress, right? So when you're moving, you wake up, you're, you're decompressing your spine, your joints. So you're, you're loosened. You have more, um, easy movement, you can say with your joints and everything. Um, so research has shown that. So I would say it's underrated. And you, if you don't have a shift working schedule, you should aim for between three to five. Yeah. It just is the most optimal for sure. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. We will go to the next one, which is fat burner. Overrated. Um, I will take them at times. So there's, you know, and I will shout out Leech on this. They do have the best uh, fat burner that I'm aware of just because there's really only like two ingredients that really show much benefit to fat burning. One of them is potentially unsafe because it can create anxiety in a lot of people. You have to be really, which is why if you look at theirs, um, I think it's called Forge is their fat burner with yohimbine. Uh, yohimbine uh, is the one of the only in- ingredients. So go to examine.com and search yohimbine. It's one of the only ingredients that has actually been shown in studies to actually produce fat burning effects, oh. like fat loss. Um, typically, you have to take it fasted and you should take it with caffeine. And usually it's best if you take it fasted with caffeine before some kind of workout that is fasted. <laughs> so the best way to utilize it is like you wake up in the morning, you take it with your coffee, and then you go do fasted cardio. Um, because when you consume a meal, it's going to lessen the effects. Um, if you're just not eating for a little bit in the morning, you can take it. Um, and there's an appetite suppressant effect. So I've taken it uh, as a way to help with focus and energy and appetite suppressant in the morning if I'm trying to push my morning meal out. But it's also not something that's like creating insane fat loss results. And you have to ease into it. So even on the the... Like with theirs, it'll say start with like three capsules. But your weight, you might need actually like six or seven of those capsules to match your weight, but you got to build up to it because people do experience anxiety with it. So it's, and it's a genetic thing. So it's kind of one of those things where you can try it. If you get anxiety, you can probably stop it because it's not worth it. Um, the other one is green tea. Uh, the, the actual ingredient for green tea is uh, ECGC. And uh, that has been shown to create fat burning effects, but you got to take a lot of it. So it's almost like, I mean, you're either drinking a fuck ton of green tea which I don't, I hate tea. I don't like the taste of it. So I'm not doing that. You can take ECGC pills. You gotta take a lot of pills. You gotta take a lot of it. Um, and again, it's, it's minor effects. Yeah. So, uh, to see sig- significant or statistic, st- statistically significant results from a study with like that, you're not going to see, wow, this, this group burned 10 pounds of fat versus zero. It's like, oh, they burned a pound of fat over this uh, pound of fat more over this X week period. So it's nothing crazy. Um, <laughs> I've used it for somebody when they have the last five pounds to lose. They really, they're at the tail end of their diet. Maybe they're getting hungry. We can use whatever tool we got. Yeah. But in general, as a whole, they're overrated for sure. Um, if you need it for appetite suppressant or as like an energy and you don't like drinking energy drinks, whatever, great. It can work. Yohimbine might work, but it comes with a potential risk. Um, Yohimbine increases libido too, which might be beneficial for people in a diet if libido's tanking. Yeah. You're in deficit, but... Um, yeah, there's actually, I think it even says on examine that yohimbine is uh, even more so effective with obviously with caffeine, but also in conjunction with horny goat weed, which is a fact. It's wow. actually a fact that has been studied, um, which is very funny because when, yeah, when I hear horny goat weed, I think of the little uh, lake store by Five Mile Lake. You remember that one we used to go to? Yes. They would, you, you'd go, that was the one I would like. Yes, we know. <laughs> buy beer at when I was 
underage (laughs) for my friends and they would have those like glass cases with all the different like energy pills that you had to be 18 or older and they would always have horny goat weed weird i always remember seeing it and be like what is that what the fuck is that yeah why is it called horny goat weed yeah it's always like 7-elevens and stuff yeah all right hilarious cool um we'll go to the next one which is going to be guacamole Mm. uh Overrated. I mean, underrated. Oh my! Guacamole is fucking amazing. Yes, fire. I love it. Um, how do you make your guacamole? I mean, I don't make guacamole. The spatula. I know, but like ingredients. I don't know. I don't make guacamole. I mean, I just smash up avocados and put like some salsa, I think, in it. And there's different ways to make it. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know this either. I thought you literally took avocado, put some salt on it, and just smashed shit of it. You can. Yeah, it tastes good. But <laughs> some people put lemon in it. I don't like lemon. Yeah. Um, Shannon puts a Not little lemon, bit. Not lemon, but lemon juice. Yeah. Yeah. A um, little bit of sour cream in it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Salsa. Yeah. We never put salsa. Well, I'm Surprising. not saying you do. I'm just saying you're saying the ways. That, oh, you're saying specifically you guys. That's my favorite way oh, to wow. have. Uh, it's just guacamole, salt, <laughs> you mean and sour cream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, avocado. <laughs> put some guacamole in there yeah. to make some guacamole. The, the, the problem with guacamole to me is like so we we do this all the time if we're uh actually it's actually kind of a tradition i don't even think about it but or a ritual every time we go out of town we actually get away and likely stays with her grandma or something um we'll go to the store and we get like usually pacifico or dosa keys or something and we get a big bag of chips and guacamole and sit in the hotel before dinner or anything you can't just have a couple oh i know you gotta just go through it it's also why i don't like going to mexican restaurants because I'm like, oh, I can afford to have like 10 chips yeah. with salsa in my macros. And I'm like, nah, it's going down. Yeah. I just eat the whole basket. Yeah. So good. Unlimited. Yeah. All right. Um, next one is meal timing. Underrated. I already kind of said that. I think underrated. Uh, uh, people, so two scientific facts. Um, if you stick to a meal time uh, regimen, you will increase insulin sensitivity and you will increase energy expenditure on a daily basis. This has actually been proven by research. Uh, so what that means is basically, again, going back to this circadian biology, this uh, body clock theory, when your body gets used to consuming nutrients and feedings at the same times every day and the same like dosages, so it doesn't mean every single meal is exactly 528 calories and it's always at 7 a.m., but like you, you said, let's say you have in between 400 to 600 calories and you have four or five meals a day and you always eat them around like seven to eight, uh, 11 to 12 two to three, you, you know, you have these like set times, your body will adjust to it and uh, you'll get better results because of it. The other side of meal timing that I really uh, think is a benefit is because from an adherence perspective, it just provides you with a plan. You know, if I tell somebody who's somewhat new to this stuff, here's your calories, here's your macros, do it. They're trying to play macro Tetris. They're trying to figure out ways to fit it in. But if we go, all right, you're eating at these times, this is how many meals we're eating per day. Uh, this is what you know, how much we're going to have in each meal. And it's not a meal plan. This is a discussion between two people of how many meals do you like to eat? Okay, cool. This is what I think will be beneficial. Let's meet in the middle or perfect. That's exactly what I think you should do. All right, here's your proteins. Let's split it up evenly. When we break this down into a system that is both science-based and it's practical for them, you're going to get better results from an adherence perspective. There's no guesswork. Yeah. You have a plan now, Yeah. you know, worst case you switch the foods you're eating. Maybe you have a higher calorie meal. You cut one out, but 90% of the time you kind of have these zones and times of day that you're eating and that's going to uh, help your adherence. Um, I've also, and there's no research to prove this, but uh, from my experience, I've seen people's digestion improve, energy levels improve, energy is kind of obvious. Um, and then obviously workout performance, recovery, all those kind of things improve because we're utilizing it to improve training, yeah. you know? So I think it's underrated. I think the if it fits your macros crowd and this idea of flexible dieting is great, but I think once it became popularized, people grabbed onto like calories are the only important thing so heavily that they just like they just ruled out anything else. Like oh, nutrient timing doesn't matter, supplements don't matter, nothing matters now because as long as you get your calories, you're good. I completely disagree. I think mealtime matters. I think supplements matter. I think that uh, macros matter. All these things matter at least a little bit. Maybe not as much as calories. Yeah. But if you got your calories on lock, let's, add, let's like stack some new strategies on top of that to make your results come faster. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? You totally. Know? So underrated. Gotcha. All right. Next one is salt pre-workout. Underrated. Big time. Um, I challenge anybody who trains hard, like really hard, especially if you have a workout that's pretty long. 
Um, if your workouts are an hour plus, or if you have a high volume training program, um, if you're doing any explosive work or any endurance work, <laughs> basically if you're, if you're doing a program that's intelligent, like I'm just going to name everything off basically. Um, but not like you don't, and this is nothing against these workouts. It's just depending on where you're at. But if you're doing a 30 minute workout at home, you don't need to worry about this. It'll help for sure. Cause it helps performance. But what I'm talking about more likely is when you're doing a really brutal session where your nervous system is very active, salt's going to help that. Um, you're doing a lot of volume. Salt's going to help that because it's going to uh, secrete and hydrate the muscle, which is going to give you a better pump, help you control your vascularity, your hydration, your carbohydrate levels throughout the session. Um, if you're doing anything explosive or strength-based, cause it is going to influence your central nervous system. Um, if you are sweating a ton, so if you have a long workout, it's going to help your hydration and your electrolyte balance. So there's a lot of reasons salt's going to help. Um, also, salt in conjunction with carbohydrates increases the digestion absorption of carbohydrates. This is something a lot of people don't know. Mm. But um, I've talked about this before. Like we can have starchy carbs or we can have star- starch carbs and fruit, right? A little bit of fruit is going to increase the rate of absorption because we use multiple glucose transporters. We have liver glycogen, muscle glycogen, so on and so forth. Well, if you add caffeine to that, it increases. If you add salt to that, it increases. So one of the things that fighters do I think some endurance athletes do this, but some uh, fighters do to uh, replenish weight. Um, so if you have a, let's, this is especially for like same weight, same day weigh-ins, right? So if you weigh in at 10 a.m., your fight's at 12. Well, you had to cut 10 pounds this week in water and carbohydrates just to make weight, right? You make weight, but now you're 10 pounds lighter and dehydrated and don't have many carbs in your system. And your fight's in two hours. And your fight's in two hours. This is very common. Um, how, do I, how do I replenish you? without you feeling like you just ate four sweet potatoes yeah. and feel bloated. Well, we put powdered carbs, so like high brain dextrin, something that digests easy for them, um, typically some sugar probably, um, and uh, caffeine, salt, all in there, right? So one way to do this is, is orange juice, highly branched cyclic dextrin, water, uh, caffeine, so you literally take caffeine pill and dump it in there, and then salt, sodium with mm-hmm. potassium, magnesium. Now you're going to have less cramping. You're going to have better recovery, but also you're replenishing glycogen at a rapid level because you have powdered carbs and fruit slash sugar, fructose, and you have salt and caffeine, which is going to speed up the absorption and get you less dehydrated. You're going to make, you're going to, even if you don't make, re- replenish all that weight, you're replenishing a lot of that carbon glycogen and, and, and sodium levels and energy. Um, and then you can have something light to eat with it if you want, but that works really well. Um, I mean, speaking of which, Brandon, uh, and like we, this was a crazy case. I was, I was helping him a little bit, but like letting him lead it, obviously it's his client. And we're just kind of watching the process. It was nuts, dude. He lost, what was it, like 30 pounds, I think in the eight to 10 week period leading up to fight. But he had to cut like, it was almost like 15, 16 pounds in like a very short period of time. And then he gained uh, like 12 pounds, 12 or 13 pounds overnight because his was uh, Jesus. day before weigh-ins. So he weighed in and then the next day yeah. and they replenished him 24 hours, 13 pounds, won the fight by knockout, bare knuckle. Yeah. That's crazy. That. that guy's a savage. <laughs> Shout out to Cody, Cody Land. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no shit. Uh, bare knuckle fighting championship. Apparently it's a, it's a thing. Oh, wow. you gotta be, I mean, you gotta be a savage to do that. Uh, but I don't even remember what the question was. Are the overrated, underrated? Uh, salt, pre-work. Oh, yeah. It's underrated. I actually like Rob Wolf's uh, product, LMNT. They sent us a bunch because they were going to be on the podcast, and we just never got it rescheduled. But um, I've been using that during my workouts. So I actually uh, I would recommend it pre or during. But I challenge anybody who trains really hard, like take like a teaspoon of sea salt and slam it back before you, uh, before you jump in your session, like 30 minutes before, just with some water and, and see what it does. Perfect. All right, cool. Um, the next one will be the 80-20 rule. Depends what 80-20 rule we're talking about here. So is this uh, – so I think the 80-20 rule of nutrition is underrated. I think a lot of people go uh, – they're just all in or all out, right? They're just going balls to the wall. They're like 100% or they're 0%, and I think that's a – that's a recipe for disaster from an eating disorder, uh, stress, relationship with food kind of perspective, um, as well as body image, all those kind of things, because you just, you're all or nothing. I don't think that's healthy. Um, I think having 80% of your nutrition, 80 to 90% of your nutrition being on point 100% of the time is a smart approach to take. So 24-7, you just believe in good nutrition, and you're basically pretty much on point constantly, but you allow 10 to 20% flexibility to just have whatever the fuck you want and enjoy yourself. Now, the other 80-20 rule is 80% of uh, your results come from 20% of what you do. 
And that's more of like a business mindset or strategy, which I, I don't know. I think it's probably overrated because I think it's talked about a lot, but I also think there's some people who spread themselves thin and they should probably reconsider. So I think it kind of depends what lens you're looking from. You know, I think it's hard for me to say now because there was a point where I think I was, um, I needed to hear that and it was underrated for me because I was doing too many things and I thought all these things were equally growing our business. And then what I did is I took, uh, the, I realized that 80% of our results really just came from 20% of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So it was really like, I just need to hone in on these like one or two things and just do that more than anything. And the rest can either just be gone or be delegated or whatever it is. And that helped us grow. But I also think there's a time and place where like, if I look at now, I am doing a few things, but I think they're all equally important. So yeah. it's hard for me to say that. So I think it depends where you're at. But I think in both circumstances, I, I actually really like the 80-20 rule. And I think it's probably underrated. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next one will be mm, sauna. Uh, underrated. I probably would have said differently a few years ago just because I think I, I think once upon a time, people were going into a sauna to like – it was almost like they're sweating fat off. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe sometimes people still believe that. And I think that's stupid. I mean, you don't – you know, fat's not secreted through sweat. Uh, your, your water and sodium and hydration is. But um, – and toxins, so it's good for you from that perspective. But it's not like a crazy fat loss tool. However, there is a lot of research that shows sauna is extremely effective at improving your cardiovascular system and your immune system. So I think long-term, it might actually lead to being leaner, but definitely a lead to longevity and health. There's actually research that shows people will literally live longer if they go to a sauna on a regular basis. Wow. Um, there's also research that shows, I think it's like a, I don't know if it's 30 minutes, an hour or whatever, but there's a certain timeline of like this much sauna every day is just as effective as an hour of cardio every day. Like it's pretty crazy. So, um, and then the other thing is immune strength too. There's a, there's a lot of research that shows like it's going to help boost your immune system. Um, but you got to be in pretty fucking hot sauna. Like you gotta, I don't know if you ever see Joe Rogan shit, but yeah. he cranks that thing up. Yeah. Um, if anybody knows who, uh, Who's the who's the surfer dude? I knew you were going to say this. Yeah. Riding the bike inside the sauna. Yeah, the assault <laughs> bike in the sauna. <laughs> yeah. That guy is an animal. Yeah. Um what is his name? He's like one of the greatest surfers ever to live. He was on uh Robin you, Big or Fantasy Factory. Are you talking about Kelly Slater? I believe so. I think that's his name. No, 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 not Kelly Slater. Oh, I know who you're talking about. You're thinking of uh Laird Hamilton. Laird Hamilton. That's yeah. who does the assault bike in the Yeah. Um I don't know if he's one of the best surfers ever. He's just yeah. one of the most well-known. Yeah. But he was on. I think Kelly Slater, in my opinion, is what most well known. But probably Larry probably. Hamilton. I, Larry I Hamilton's no known is. for other stuff. Is he? Like he's just a, he's just crazy. Oh. I think he I think he hit one of like the biggest waves or something. And he totally. he also just does crazy shit. Like Robin uh, Rob Deirdre went there on his show with drama, and they just did crazy shit. Like he rides the assault bike in a sauna. Yeah, he's just a savage person. Totally, he's a, he's a crazy human being. Um, but. There's a lot of research on it. And that's why, like, I've learned, I actually learned a lot from Joe Rogan Podcast because he has a lot of guests that are super big fans of sauna. And uh, there was just, like, astonishing research that they kept pulling out that I was just, like, shocked by. But it also makes sense why uh, banyas are all over the world. And they're even more popular in places that are, like, uh, like Europe and stuff like that. It's a Russian bathhouse. But um, – we used to go to the one in uh, Seattle as a group. A banya? Like, it's called Banya. B-O? B-A-N-Y-A. Wow. Um, and I think it literally means Russian bathhouse wow. in Russian. Yeah. Um, or it means bathhouse in Russian. Um, but Banya is like a place. It's almost like a spa. It's like a health spa. But you go and you do um, – you can do dry sauna, wet sauna. Uh, there's like a salt bath. There's a hot tub. And there's a uh, a cold plunge. So basically like an ice bath. They also do, most of them do massages. There's like mud baths there. You can do all kinds of shit. Um, but we used to do the typical banya cycle and you would go in. We do this every like once a month on the weekends. I absolutely hated it to be honest with you because I just, I don't like extreme heat and I hate cold plunge. I sound like a wimp saying this, but I just don't like it even if it's beneficial. But you'd basically go from, uh, you go into the lukewarm salt pool and the magnesium, everything's great for you, but it's basically just like regulating your temperature to like a oh, room yeah. temperature. Then you go into the dry heat sauna and it's just miserable. It's like 200 degrees dry. And uh, usually there's a guy hitting you with a branch in there. I mean, you can opt out of the branch smacking, but um, I don't know what it is. Wow. It's 
Really weird. What benefit does it have? I have no idea. I don't know <laughs> if it's like a a mint a or mint. basil branch or something. Yeah. But it's some kind of special branch, and he just kind of like just hitting you with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so you could opt out of it. Did he stand? I'm, I'm good, dude. Yeah, I did. I was just like, don't even <laughs> weird. <laughs> and then you go into the wet sauna, which is like a typical sauna. And then right after that, like you just walk from one to the next and then you jump right into the cold plunge and it goes from like you're hot as fuck to just, I mean, cold. It's ice bath. Um, No, you do not. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know if that's why you do the the wet sauna first. Maybe if it was dry to cold or or maybe it's, maybe the temperature of the cold plunge isn't cold enough Uh because there's no ice in it, Uh but it's cold as fuck. So maybe it's just not cold enough or, or maybe that's when you do, I don't know. Either but way. uh, but the the it's called uh, it's called heat shock therapy. So it's oh. actually like they want you to do that. It's so there's like a neurological benefit to it when you transition to from that cold to heat. Um, that's why people also do like hot shower and then super cold and then bundle up in a blanket right right afterwards in bed and it'll help you sleep a ton. But and then after that you go back in the lukewarm or the hot tub if you want and just kind of regulate. Um, you feel amazing. You actually get like this euphoric high. Like mm. it's very weird. You feel like you feel kind of high. Like yeah. it's very weird. Uh, you feel great afterwards, but it's not fun. Yeah. I don't like cold punch. Um, yeah. but it's great for you. Yeah. So the cool punch I've ever done is I jumped in the lake on new year's. It was very, very in cool. Washington. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. What lake taps? Uh, no, it was probably like, Oh yeah. It's a dirty lake too. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's not that dirty. We but 12 years old. Yeah. So. I used to swim at surprise like all the time, but dude, yeah, it was January. Yeah. It was freezing. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. That's a bad idea. A bunch of young kids jumping in a freezing maybe not, lake. Maybe not 12, but we were... Uh, I mean, bad idea for anybody. In Columbia. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Very bad idea. Hypothermia. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to the next one. It's going to be setting impossible goals. Ooh. I like this one. Ooh, who said this one? I got it. Who do you think you said it? Cody? No. Ariel. Oh, oh good one. Um. The only reason I said Cody, because if anybody listening to this is familiar with uh, Wake Up Warrior, they talk about the impossible game. Yeah. So everything is like setting impossible targets to accomplish impossible goals and become an impossible version. Everything is like basically proving possibility of what you think is impossible. Um, And I think that's why it's so beneficial. I think it's great. I think it's underrated. I think people set goals and they set them way too fucking low. The amount of times I've worked with people on like a mentoring life coaching basis, or I've been life coach or mentored and we're setting 90 day targets, six month targets or whatever. And it's, and it's like you, you set your standard so low for yourself that you set a target that you're just going to demolish in 90 days. Like, you know, you're going to surpass it. You should, but that's the problem is if I'm setting my goal 10 feet in front of me, I'm only going to go 10 feet in front of me. But if I set my goal 50 feet in front of me, I'm going to find a way to at least go 40 feet. Worst case, I fail and I'm still 30 feet past what my first initial um, goal or, or mindset was. And I think that's the cool thing about impossible goals. You set a target that, that just freaks you out a little bit, which is what I typically do with people when it work in that capacity or what I've had people do with me is like I set a target and then they just basically go, all right, we're going to up that a little bit and you're going to do it. Yeah. And you do it and it's because you can do more than you actually let yourself believe, you know? And I think that's, that's the problem with a lot of this is just people just don't set big enough targets. So they don't aim high enough. And if you don't aim high enough, you don't take actions that will create significant enough growth. Um, so I think impossible targets are underrated for sure. I would agree. All right, cool. Um, uh, another one from Mario. The psychology aspect of fat and weight loss. I want to say something else real quick about the last one. Okay. That I just thought of. Just because like, you know, with the conversation yesterday and like sometimes you have to set impossible targets that aren't even necessarily targets. They're just ideas, but you have to start saying them and believing in them because you never know when they're going to catch fucking wheels and start going essentially, right? Like. I kept saying I wanted to take over one of the neighbor's space and I wanted oh, to create my fantasy factory, something, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, And lo and behold, somebody next door overheard because of the podcast, because of conversation, stuff like that. And then mentioned like, oh, like if we ever move, I'll let you know. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I want it, you know? And then they're like, okay, we can get rid of half the space and get a bigger spot and we have somebody who can take it. If I would have never started throwing that idea out, half believing it, just because I was like, man, this would be sick. I don't know how we're going to do it, but this would be sick. Yeah. 
it wouldn't have been able to have been caught and ran with. And now it's happening, you know? Um, the same thing even goes with this place in general. Mm. I wasn't looking. I yeah. just kind of mentioned it because I was like, oh, this is something to do. Start looking for places because it would be cool to have a headquarters someday. Yeah. Next thing you know, we find a perfect place with perfect rent, perfect space, perfect area. And it's like, fuck, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, so I think sometimes you have to throw out those impossible ideas that might not even be your targets yet. They're just ideas because you never know how they're going to catch wind and, yeah. and start to become something from it. Yeah. Hey, I went to the chiropractor yesterday. You went today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went yesterday and uh, I told Drew about that. And he was like, he said to me, like, probably what you've heard a million times, what are you going to do with all that? <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know yet. Or, I mean, I'm sure we, we do have yeah. ideas, but it's just like, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll figure I it out. I was laughing about earlier, just like, because people were wondering on the podcast, pe- you've said that you wanted the whole warehouse yeah. and that we're doing in sections, but that's the impossibility. Well, I was, I was getting my haircut this morning and oh, he was like, he was literally like, damn, bro, it's got to take over the whole place soon. And I was yeah. like, it's crossed my mind. Say, say it louder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you never know. You know, because like From, said, like if somebody asked me, what would you do with, what is that, an extra 20,000 square feet? I mean, yeah. who knows how big this whole warehouse yeah. is? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I have no fucking idea. Actually, I know it's, ex- actually, it's uh, uh, two, four, six, eight, ten. probably add another five for the, the yeah. loading docks. Yeah. So 15,000 extra square feet. Yeah. That's insane. Because yeah. this is two. We're about to get three more. Yeah. Not 15 extra. Probably 10 extra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. I wouldn't know what the fuck to do with it right now. Yeah. I would uh, create a new skate barn. Remember that place? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in start. B&I? Yeah. No, no, B&I was sick too, but skate barn was in Renton and it was like, oh. it was, uh, imagine this whole warehouse, like the whole thing, yeah. 10 to 15,000 square feet total, yeah. all one big warehouse and they just had tons of skate ramps and shit. <laughs> Dude, we used to go there every weekend. Yeah. It was sick. Wow. Um, I never went there. I went to the B&I. B&I anyway. was just, was cool. It was just smaller. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know what I would do with it, but you, when you, when it becomes real, you start figuring out shit to do with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's where you, when you put yourself in a position, your back's kind of against the wall and you got to do something, you're going to come up with things to do. Um, you know, next door, like, like at first it was like, I just want the office. And then I was going to sublease the little office. Then it was like, well, we want to get rid of the whole thing. And it's like, all right, well, let me think of something to do with it now. Like, I don't know when, but we're going to get a sauna. I really want a sauna now um, for all the reasons I listed earlier. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a little lounge area. Um, I probably will put some kind of skate ramp in there or something. We're going to have a screen print machine because I'm going to start printing shirts. You know, Just, like s- space is going to be filled. Yeah. And without a doubt in my mind, we're, we're going to have to do a seminar of some sort. I mean, because I was thinking about it, dudes, like we're going to have a doorway that goes into a gym. We can do hands-on. Yeah. So some speakers like to present and then do hands-on where they take people through yeah. training and stuff. Be sick. We have the perfect spot for it. So now it's like, okay, like let me hit up four five or six other strength coaches, put on a three-day event, yeah. invite people out. They come. We, we're going to have the, basically the whole parking lot now. Yeah. So, Dude, next, time they, next, next summer. Yeah, that's when, when we'll do it. When... Yeah, well, I was thinking when all of our coaches come back into town. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd probably do it around the same time. That way they can all be here for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jordan Side already told me he's down, so yeah. he would do it. Um, and then just got to figure out who else would want to come out. Be sick. I mean, realistically, the speakers get paid, so almost anybody I know is going to be down because yeah. they're going to get paid. But we kind of have the perfect space for it. Yeah. And, you know, with COVID, everybody's been dying for an event. So yeah. if I can put on some kind of like – I've, I've had a vision for the tailored coaching summit where we do like a huge one. So maybe this is kind of like how it starts and we do like a smaller one, you know, hundred people max. Yeah. And then, you know, day two is hands on or something. We'll figure it out, but that'd be sick. We're gonna have the space for it now. You heard it here first. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So we'll go to that next one. Um, it says psychology aspect of fat and weight loss. Underrated yeah. by landslide. I think that, so this, this is what I think. I think from the clientele's perspective, I think it's underrated because they're unaware of how important it is, which is understandable, right? It's not because they don't think it's important. I think they just don't get it. They just don't understand how influential it is. Um, and from a coach's perspective, I actually don't think it's underrated. I think it's undereducated. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of coaches know damn well how fucking important it is, but a lot of them don't know how to do it. Mm. Most of the time when I get questions from people that are coaches that DM me that are like, hey, I have a, a client that I would love your feedback on, it's very rarely, 
are these the right macros for their body and weight and goal? It's usually, I can't get them to do this. I can't get them to adhere. I don't, I can't create buy-in. I can't get them to be honest with me. Like I can't get them to stay consistent for X amount of time. All of those things are psychology. How do you communicate effectively effectively with an individual to create belief and buy-in so that they consistently adhere to what you want them to do? You don't have questions on what macros they should follow. You have questions on how the fuck do you get them to do it? How do you get them to follow those macros? How do you get them to actually enjoy and fall in love with the process of tracking macros? Especially if somebody comes to you and they're like, I don't want to weigh food. I don't want to track macros. I don't particularly love training, but I really want to lose weight. How do I get that person to do this consistently and effectively? Psychology. It really is. That's, that's where we study psychology. It's where Ariel shines because she's getting her master's in psychology. But that's why we read specific books and go through courses and workshops, things like that as a team that are all about psychology of people and human beings, not of nutrition necessarily, but of human beings so we can use our nutrition principles in that manner to get them to do it. Um, it's also why even Brandon has done uh, lectures and research reviews for the staff on psychology of eating and body image and eating disorders and stuff like that. That's actually what the, the education of this month is going to be. Um, so I think it's comp- super, super underrated, yeah. but not for the reasons people realize. I think coaches just don't know how to tackle it. They don't, they're not well educated in it. And I think clients fail to understand how important it is because all those undereducated coaches only talk about the science macros, all those kind of things, which something wrong with talking about that stuff. I talk about it too, but I'll be the first to admit that none of that shit matters if you can't figure out the, the mindset and psychology behind this totally. stuff. Totally. Yeah. So. It's like the foundation. Yeah. All right, cool. The next one is going to be way isolate. It's properly rated. I mean, I think once upon a time it was uh, overrated because people thought it was like magical. Why? Because it was, uh, I mean, whey pro- they made whey protein seem like it had recovery abilities that food didn't have, but whey protein comes from food. You know, um, it's, it's faster digested, but we also know that post-workout, you don't need rapidly digested nutrients, uh, maybe carbohydrates, easily digested nutrients to blunt cortisol, but there used to be the myth of like the anabolic window. If you didn't get to a protein source within 30 to 60 minutes post-workout, you'd actually lose progress or gains. So people were slamming protein shakes right away because it was the fastest way to get protein in but we know that you can go three hours and you're fine you can probably go even longer and you're totally fine too um, you're not going to lose muscle from that if you if you know if you train and then you go to bed and wake up 12 hours later and then fast for 18 like yeah you're gonna lose muscle but um i think it's properly rated people know now it's it's good it's great for you but it's not like magic yeah for sure okay well uh next one's gonna be a deload period i'd say underrated um, I think too many people think they don't need it. Um, I don't know. I would actually say properly rated because I think there's a lot of people who, uh, that's another one that's hard because I think there's a lot of people who get like kind of egotistical and they don't take deloads because they're just, they don't need deloads. And then I also think there's people who, uh, who, who take deloads and I'm like, man, your training is not that hard. You know, if you're training three days a week, you're not like pushing crazy numbers in the gym which is fine. If you don't have time to train more than three days in the gym, there's nothing wrong with that. But you probably don't need a deload because you got four days off a week. You know, if you're training four, five, six days a week, you're pushing it. You probably need a deload. You know, um, I also think proper programming to avoid deloads is underrated. I think you can, you can waive intensities properly to where you can implement a, uh, basically like a skill acquisition week. This is typically what I do. So week one of every new block is kind of a deload for a lot of my clients, but it's because we're, we got new movements. So you're purposely going lighter with a lower RPE to learn the movement pattern. Mm-hmm. There's not much, you know, recovery wise, there's not much to that. So it's a great way to deload without taking a deload. You know, you're learning something new, so it's more skill focused less low neurological tension, all that stuff, um, exhaustion from a metabolic perspective. And then week two, three, four, you're pushing hard. Week one of the new program, you deload again. Yeah. But it's it's skill acquisition instead. It sounds cooler. Yeah. Um, so I'd say properly rated. For sure. Hmm. All right. Um, let's go air fryers. I would have said overrated, but man, since we got one. Very convenient. Very convenient. We got two for Christmas. Oh. Uh, yeah, two different people got us air fryers. Um, oh, actually, no, I like I got Shannon an air fryer, and then uh, somebody else got us an air fryer. 
So we have two, which actually we were like, at first I was like, God damn it. Somebody stole my gift. Then, then I was like, this is actually dope because if we, let's say we have you and Joe over, you can't fit that much shit in an air fryer. Yeah. Unless you get a huge air fryer, which I don't even know if they make, but now we can have two running and we could cook chicken and fries. Yeah. But, uh, man, it's, it's legit. Pretty much. You don't got to put oil in there. Nothing. You just throw it in there. Fucking zaps it. It does. dude. It's <laughs> sick. Shannon loves it. She's that shit. Yeah. Constantly, I'm a. I eat a lot of steak, so I don't use it too much. But for chicken, it's really good. Uh, veggies, it's great. Potatoes, it's great. Yeah, it's solid, man. Dude, we. I shouldn't even be saying this on this podcast, but we got a deep fryer for the wedding. A wedding gift. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it, people know my wife is Filipino, and Filipino oh, is just out of control. That makes Olympia's way easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why we got it, dude? Uh, I got my dad a deep fryer for. <laughs> His birthday or Christmas or something. Yeah. It's just bomb. Yeah. It was great. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We made it uh, for football on Sunday and uh, we had to make it like outside because we were nervous to put it like on the countertops. Like uh, we yeah. just didn't know. It was yeah. our first time ever using it. Yeah. It'd melt through the countertop yeah. or something. All that hot oil. Yeah. yeah they're good. My, we've done, uh, we did chicken strips on a, like, I got it from my dad and we did it for like a football game or something. Did yeah. a ton of chicken strips. Yeah. Dude, this is good. For sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, let's go tofu. Overrated. What? Tofu. Yes. Honestly, I agree. I agree. Tofu is actually not that bad. So here, here's my in, thing. In miso soup, it is. I mean, yeah, I like it. That's all. That's the only time I ever eat it. Is yeah. in miso soup when I'm at Trapper's sushi. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, I don't like uh, tofu. It's extremely high in soy. I don't like eating things that are extremely high in soy. I don't think it's the healthiest thing, especially for men, because it's uh, estro- it's it's gonna increase estrogen levels, which you just you don't want to increase. I mean, I think blocking estrogen levels is a bad idea for men too, which you can only do through pharmaceutical supplements. So most people listening aren't going to be doing that anyway. Um, but you don't want to increase it a ton. There was actually a, there was, there was a, um, it wasn't even a study. It was just like a kind of like a case study that was used in this journal. There was a guy, he was like a farmer of some sort, but basically he was lactose intolerant. So he drank soy milk all the time, but that was like his, like why he's farming. Like he would have a couple full glasses of soy milk throughout the day because that was like just refreshing for him in the heat and he started uh getting uh gyno uh clamastia so basically like breasts uh in in, in, i don't even know enlargement or whatever um which is a hormonal issue right so it's just not i just don't for personally for me i don't think it's best now for vegans it can be a decent protein source so i understand why you would be consuming because if you're vegan you kind of are left to your own vices, like what can you possibly do? You know, you're probably going to be having soy, tofu, things like that more. Um, but I would say it's overrated for sure. I don't think it's great. Yeah. All right, uh, we got a couple more left. Uh, one is vibration platforms. Um, way overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually even know what even, the purpose is. Oh yeah. There's actually there is. I don't a, even know what they are. You fucking stand on this board. Well, I can imagine what it is, but you you just stand on this thing, and it's like you hold these rails, and it just vibrates the shit out of you. <laughs> like, I don't know. No overrated. Idea. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely overrated. There's, I know, there's supposed to be a theoretical purpose to it, um, and I just don't know what that is yeah. at all. So overrated. All right, last one, which I have no idea what they mean, is mouth taping. Oh, uh, underrated. I was just talking to Heather about this this morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, because I'm a... Uh, so if you haven't read the book, Breathe, I highly su- suggest it. It's a fantastic book. Try to get the guy on the podcast, but um, if, if you don't like reading, listen to the Joe Rogan podcast with him or listen to his Audible book, Breathe. Um, but essentially, over time, humans became mouth breathers. This has caused... The book is called Breathe? Yeah. Um this has caused a numerous amount of issues um, from psychological, neurological, hormonal, metabolic, cardiovascular, um, anaerobic, um, even like structural. So the reason our faces are the way they are, which I will say this is like, I think we look better than our ancestral Neanderthal yeah. people, you know, like, yeah. so I'm not mad at that part, but um, you can, I actually just bought, uh, so hopefully it'll be here soon, A, uh, it's a mouth guard that improves the way you breathe, and it basically presses your tongue in a certain way, so you use your airways better, but you can improve your aerobic capacity and your aerobic ability, your oxidative ability by a, a lot, like a high percentage just by breathing better. So there's even aerobic conditioning programs that I put clients through where I actually will say, you know, 
you're like, for example, five minutes on the assault bike, nose breathing only, and then you go into five minutes of nostril in, mouth out, and then five minutes of free breathing because you're starting to get exhausted because it's tiring for most people who aren't good at it. But you can improve uh, hormonal levels, um, sleep patterns, a lot of different things, sleep apnea, things like that. Um, and sometimes you got to tape your mouth shut because wow. if you tape your mouth shut, then you're forced to breathe out of your nose. Wow. So people sleep with their mouth taped shut. So when do you use your mouth guard? Uh, during aerobic training. Wow. So I'll be using it literally while I'm on an assault bike when, um, I might do it when I'm boxing too, just wow. because that's a aerobic based thing, which I start on Saturday when I come back, I'm going to work with him. And then I think we're going to be doing every Wednesday starting next week. Every Wednesday. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I'm trying to do it during the week. We might have to do it Saturdays, but I want to do it during the week. So we're going back and forth trying to schedule it. But, um, I'll probably use it during that. You can use it during strength training too, but it's mainly for aerobic training. Gotcha. But um, that doesn't put you into just nasal breathing, but it does change your airways for, for a lot of the same benefits. But an easy way to do this for people who want to have better health, immune, hormonal, all these different things, just tape your mouth shut. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a, I thought about doing it many times, but I was like <laughs> not telling Shannon because that would be funny if she like wakes up and I just have duct tape over my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Probably freak her out. Yeah. Like, uh, But real quick uh, – what the hell is a vibration board for? Um, <laughs> apparently, whole body vibration, WBV, isn't just the latest fad in the gym. WBV provides proven health benefits, including stronger muscles, increased bone mass, increased blood flow, increased flexibility, stimulates the lymphatic system, and decreases levels of cortisol. Um, I'm going to send this to Brandon Roberts, our chief science officer, and see if this is true. Um, if it is, I will be uh, buying a, a vibration board for the gym ASAP. <laughs> but I got to admit, this sounds way too good to be true. Like, I just, I mean, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. But stay tuned for that. Maybe it'll be on the next research video. Oh, that was the last one, man. So right. any other? Uh... No, uh, let us know if you think these overrated, underrated podcasts are overrated or underrated. <laughs> and uh, that'll determine if we keep doing them or not. So uh, we'll catch you next time. Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition.